Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Thursday morning Romans Bible study. We're in chapter 8, I believe today will be part 34, just in chapter 8 alone, where we're taking God's Word verse by verse, looking at the other scriptures, uh, rightly dividing the Word of God. We have our Bible study every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here in my office uh, it's only for online, uh, and you can watch it live if you're watching it any other through any other avenue at this time. You can watch it live every Monday morning, Thursday morning, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. Then it's all uploaded to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. And on Friday mornings, we are teaching First Timothy Presently, That's at 9 a.m., and there is a studio next door, and you're all welcome to come. If you can drive in, be a part of that every Friday morning at 9 a.m. for one hour, our first Timothy Bible teaching. Uh, and we're just excited to be here today uh, in the Word of God. You know, for years we learned and learned and learned, but it's, it's only uh, legitimate and only beneficial if what we're learning brings us to the truth. The Bible says, uh, Paul told Timothy in the last days, there will be people who are ever learning, ever learning, but not able to come to the truth. The avenue to truth is Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary. That's the open door. The message of the cross is the open door that not only explains and gives us the understanding of God's word, but also uh, the, the cross of Christ is the application what allows legally the Holy Spirit to legally impart the Word of God into our hearts as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Far too many Christians have thought we could declare that and it take place. But it's really happening uh, according to the Word of God as we place and keep our faith in the cross of Christ, the work he there did alone, then the Holy Spirit can teach us the word of God as it is truth in righteousness that he might lead us, guide us into all truth. And the result is always us being on the path of righteousness and the fruit of that, the, the manifestation of that is the fruit of his righteousness, not ours, not something we did to get these things from God, but our faith in what he did. And it is that simple. And uh, it's amazing what a man can do in, a, in his prideful heart, change the word of God to try to turn it into something that's comfortable to make us comfortable or to get us going in the way we want to go. But God's word uh, is, is very uh, simple. It's laid out, it's, it's there for us to understand, and only pride, only the rejection of a daily faith in the work of Christ at Calvary, and I mean his death, would eliminate us from the understanding and put us as though we're living back under law instead of under the grace we've been brought under through the blood of Jesus. So let's dig into this this morning, Romans chapter 8, and I want to back up like we always do and read through verses 29 and 30. And uh, remembering this chapter is a chapter that tells us legally how the Holy Spirit works, verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has made us free from the law of sin and death. That speaks of the cross. Anytime you see the phrase, in him, in Christ, in whom, it always points to Calvary, for there we were placed in him, immersed into his death. We were baptized into his death, not a water tank. Thank God for water baptism, but that didn't save you. What saved you is your faith in Christ, your heart believing unto the righteousness that he performed for you at Calvary. That righteous work got honored, and our faith in that alone is what saved us, and that's our entrance into Christ. Romans 6.3 tells us that. Don't you know that as many of us as have been baptized, immersed into Christ, have been immersed, baptized into his death, his death. Through faith in his death, we were joined with him in his death. And the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Praise God. So that is where we were placed in him, and we always have to bring this up. Colossians 2 and 6 says, as we have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in his death, so walk ye in him. That means when our faith is moved from what he did for us at Calvary to some, anything else, then we're no longer walking in him. We're in him in our position at the right hand of God in Christ, but in our condition, we can surely walk in a way that's not in Christ. Amen. That's why it's important that we learn the word of God. And that's why at the very, and we'll, let's just go to the very last verse in this chapter, and then we'll go back where we were, but I want to show you something nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But when, and I speak from experience, we can surely, as Christians, live in a way that's not in Christ, walk in a way that's not in Christ. We can surely all these things at least about uh, uh, death, life, angels, principalities, nor powers, anything to come, anything going to separate us from the love of God, but it's in Christ Jesus. Now, you've got to always remember there's a difference between your position in Christ at the right hand of the Father, and he sees us when he looks at his Son, he sees us through the Son, but he also sees us here in our condition. It's so true. He won't, and, and we should be being conformed into the image, and we'll read that here in just a minute. But there's far too much in the New Testament that talks about things that are scary to us, so scary that we've run off out there and made up certain false doctrines that we, we can't ever lose our salvation. We, we can't ever be spewed out of the mouth of God. We can't ever uh, be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. When the New Testament... Letters written to the church tell us these things are possible. When the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7, the previous chapter in verse 9, that I was alive once without the law. That means when he was born again. But the commandment came. That means when he began to turn to the commandment and try to live the righteous life through the law again, he says, the sin nature revived and I died. So we, we don't understand 
a lot of things and when we don't understand we make things up such as that Romans chapter 7 can't be talking about Paul as born again that must have been talking about when he was lost see we make things up when we don't understand the Bible and the church has been held captive in these places that are false and you need to read you, you need to forget what you've been told by the lineage of your family or the preachers that you've listened to, you need to believe what the Holy Spirit's telling you that's written in the Word of God. So think about that. We are in Christ Jesus if we're born again. But there is a difference between being in Him at the right hand of the Father and walking in Him here and now. Amen. The church in Sardis was told by John, the letter written to the church in Sardis in Revelation, you better repent because you're dead. You're dead. Paul said he died. They're talking about walking, walking in a place of non-fruit bearing. It's one reason only that takes place. Not because they're having a problem with drugs again. Not because they're having a problem with lust again. Not because No, they're having a problem maintaining their faith in the cross of Christ, the death of Jesus. Remember, it's the legal work of Christ at Calvary, and the Holy Spirit works according to that law. Your faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary. I'm not talking about some notch. Well, yeah, you know I believe that. Ah, no, I'm talking about you right now. God, that is where my faith is. I'm trusting in Christ and his very work for me on the cross. His death became my death. His burial became my burial. And when he was raised from the dead, resurrected on the third day, I was already in him. And when he came out of the grave, I came out with him. Hallelujah. Because if we were immersed into Christ in his death, and the Bible says we were, that means when he came out of the grave, we were already a part of the body of Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good news right there. But to walk in him, continue to walk in him, requires our faith in that one thing that allows the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, legally to do his work. Just that one thing. God's not requiring you to go do a whole bunch of stuff for him to where he's requiring one thing. Same thing he required for you to be born again, saved, become a child of God. Faith in the death of Jesus. And the pride of men will change that and turn that. Well, it can't be that easy. That's a, that's a heart of law. Well, I got to work for it. I got to work for it. No, Jesus did the work. So watch this in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, predetermined that they would be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, predetermined, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now I want you to look at this. God tells the whole span of, of this period of when even before the actual dealing with men manifest, forming us out of the dust of the earth, breathing into us, us becoming a living soul, and falling into sin, and him redeeming us. It's all, listen, it goes all the way back to his foreknowledge, and that his foreknowledge is an always knowledge. And let me say, I said it last week, God right now, 
knows everything he will ever know. His knowledge doesn't increase. His love for you doesn't increase. He is love, the max. He is love. He cannot grow in love. He cannot have new thoughts today. If he does, that means yesterday there was something he didn't know, wasn't quite sure of. Our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present, and he is love. He's not growing in anything. <clears throat> he is what he is, and he is always being what he is. That's why the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he is God the Son who became a man, the Son of Man, to take our sin away. Hallelujah. But God gives the whole span of it here. What I foreknew, I predetermined those because I knew, I, I've always known them who I'd be able to conform into the image of my son, the son I gave for you. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's the firstborn from the dead, not God's created firstborn spirit son as Jehovah Witness and other people teach Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is God the Son, not a creation of God. Come on, you get that wrong, you're not, not going to make it. Doesn't matter what you say, that Jesus came and did on the cross because that's not the Jesus of the Bible. It, has to, it cannot be a creation of God that come to save men. It had to be God came to save men. You get Jesus wrong, doesn't matter what else sounds right, even if it's scripture, you're wrong. And you'll be standing at the great white throne judgment being told by God, I never knew you, you're a worker of iniquity. I'm not standing there, I'm not going there, I'm trusting in the Jesus the Bible talks about. Hallelujah. The Son of God, God the Son. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, Moreover, whom he predestinated predetermined them he also called and whom he called them he also justified that means he called us through the blood because there's the only place he'll justify anybody as as he and whom he uh, justified them he also glorified and to justify anybody means god has made them righteous because righteousness is the justification upon entrance into heaven. That's why it's with the heart men believe unto salvation. It's with the heart men believe unto righteousness for salvation. Nothing else. When, that's why when our faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary, God declares us righteous and only the righteous are justified. That's why those two words are tied together. There's no such thing as justification in the eyes of God without being made righteous. They're tied together. Look it up. You'll find what I'm talking about. But, but, but <clears throat> and, and this is also, there are other scriptures that come into play here when you see the word called. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. God has loved the whole world, gave his son for the whole world. Hebrews 2 and 9 says, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Many are called, but few are chosen. Well, what, what, and we're not talking about into ministry. We're talking about into salvation. What, what, what reduces it down to few being chosen? Because he chooses those he finds in Christ. Again, I'm not going back there. Write it down. Look at it after the session. 
Ephesians 1.4 says he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. His foreknowledge, before he ever set in everything into motion, his plan was laid before. This is the way it's going to be. Then he created a people to walk into what he's offered. God did not determine you'll go to hell and you'll go to heaven. He determined there would be a hell, there would be a heaven. The Bible even says hell is not made for men. Think about that. So God gives makes men in his own image, calls them free moral agents, allows them to choose. And those who choose his son to believe in his son for the forgiveness of their sins, God saw them in his foreknowledge in Christ and there he chose us. That's that the, you, you got to be careful when you read what Jesus taught. You didn't choose me, I chose you. But where did he choose us? He chose us based on what he saw in his foreknowledge that we would believe upon him in his death. For the word in Christ speaks of his death, the sacrifice for our redemption. And not just to get us in, but to walk us through this life till we enter fully, till we experience that abundant entrance into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's good news. We need to understand this. Free moral agency is where he created us in his image because God has free choice to do what he wants to do. He created us in his image. We get to choose. And he saw that we would believe in his son. There's where he chose us. Ephesians 1.4 tells us that. Many are called, but few are chosen. Who are the few? Those who come to God by way of Christ and his sacrifice. All right, are we okay? Oh, there's a lot more that could be taught on this because this is the process. This is the process. For whom he did foreknow, always in the past. Doesn't mean there was a point in time where God thought something up. God don't do that. That's, 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 that's over our head for, because we have to think things up. We have to make plans. God, again, today, right now, he knows everything he will ever know. <laughs> everything he will ever know, he knows right now. <clears throat> and again, let me say it. He won't have a new thought today because if he does, yesterday there was something he didn't know. He's always known you. He's always had this plan for you. He's always predetermined. See, when we talk about when Paul became determined to know nothing else, it was because he finally realized, he's the one who wrote this, that God was predetermined before everything began. That this would be the process. That he would conform those who he would choose into the image of his son who would become the firstborn from the dead among many brothers. You and I as Christians have Jesus, our Lord and God, Savior and King as an elder brother. Man, that's exciting, isn't it? Praise God. And moreover, whom he did predetermine, them he also called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's the process for us from before beginning, our beginning, to a place we've not yet arrived. Glorification, right here. It's, it's right here. And this is good news, hallelujah. The end is glorification. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now watch this uh, this morning. If God be for us, when you look the word up, it means if God be instead of us, because we couldn't do any of this ourselves. It's God's plan. It's God's kingdom. He, he is our salvation. He provided it. It's all what he has offered to humanity. Uh, an opportunity to live on this earth now uh, in this old dirtbag body. Uh, and, and to opportunity to receive salvation. Opportunity to be in this process we just read about. It's all your choice. You can believe on Christ today. If one man believed on Christ, all men can believe on Christ. It's simply a matter of choice. Will I believe? And people who teach differently, that they will never be able to believe because God created them to go to hell to not believe is very unbiblical. That's not biblical. I don't care how good they try to twist scriptures and make it sound. I don't care all those scriptures that people like A.W. Pink and he's got a lot of good things to say of course but he's got some bad things to say. And this predestination that God chose who would go to hell and they don't have a choice in the matter, just like the Calvinistic view of all that, that's very unbiblical. It's not God's will that any... Let me say that again. It's not God's will, the Bible says that, that any should perish, hallelujah, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, his son. Think about that one verse refutes all that heresy. For if I thought I couldn't be saved, a lot of people wouldn't. And how devastating that would be to think that God would save them, but his love is not big enough to reach far enough to me, that God didn't really send his son for me, maybe them, but not me. What a devastating thought. That is another God and not the God of the Bible. God doesn't just have love. God is love, and that love has been manifest and expressed to all on a hill called Calvary. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says that was the manifestation of the love of God. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe on him would never perish but have everlasting like glorified bodies. Hallelujah. Now watch this. What shall we say then to these things? The whole plan of God from before our beginning all the way beyond what we know today. Again, glorification, glorified bodies, a new earth, new heavens, all that good stuff coming. Hallelujah. If God be for us, if God be instead of us, see all this is the plan of God. We couldn't be a part of any of this without Jesus being sent to lay down his life and to raise it up again on our behalf through his humble, obedient act of death, which he was commanded in John 10, 18, commanded to come and lay his life down for the sins of humanity. Jesus, that God, the Godhead didn't sit around for eons wondering how this was going to work out. The plan of God, in the plan of God, God saw that men would fall, and God 
had already told his son, you will go and you will give your life for the sins of humanity. I will, I will give you the power to lay your life down and I will give you the power to raise it up again if you obey me. See, he, he, Jesus came under commandment. The first Adam under commandment fell and we all fell in him and became sinners and through sin death entered and we all died. But God sent the second and the last Adam who fully obeyed, humbled himself unto death and became obedient, hallelujah, even unto death on the cross for you and me. It's his obedience that got us in. He was sent instead of us being condemned forever and forever. God intervened. God was for us. He has always been for us. When God created us, he became obligated to save us. Hallelujah. To offer us salvation, that is, because he, he, he gave us all things as a choice. A choice. You're free to eat of all the trees in the garden, but don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. In the day you choose to eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Well, they did it. We all died. We're all born dead in our sins. The last Adam came was fully obedient, even unto death, and was for us. All that happened because God was for us. It appeared at Calvary like Jesus, although he claimed many good things and did many good works, it appeared at Calvary that whatever power he had before is gone now. We esteemed him stricken of God. Apparently the Pharisees were right. Apparently he's not who he claimed to be. Apparently. apparently. But he wasn't stricken of God because he was a sinner. He was stricken unto death he died on our behalf. He was dying for me. God was stepping in, manifesting his love, and was doing what happened at Calvary instead of us. Eternally being dead, Jesus died for us. A righteous sacrifice, a righteous work for the sins of man where he takes all our sin and gives us all his righteousness and we're brought into this process we're reading about in, in Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. If God be for us, if God was instead of us, hallelujah, at Calvary, we couldn't heal ourselves, we couldn't save ourselves, but God was for us. God stepped in instead of us and did what had to be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He foreknow. He predestinated. He's the conformer. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the one who did the calling. He's the one who does the justifying. He's the one who does the glorifying. We're just recipients of his great grace and mercy because he is for you. It's not about what's happening in our lives to us and how horrible it may be. He stepped in and became for us. Hallelujah. He's always been for you. In his foreknowledge, and that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean a point sometime in, in the past. He has always known you. He is mindful of you, the Bible says in Psalms 115. He's mindful of you. And remember, he can't have a new thought. So he's always for 
known you. He's always foreknew you. He's always, because he saw you accepting Christ through a choice you would make. When we heard the gospel, we saw that we were sinners and needed this good news that God was for us. God was instead of us. Hallelujah. Who can be against us? If God did this for us, who can be against us? If God was for us, if God stepped in and took our place for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Watch this, verse 32. This has been my wife's favorite verse for many years now, even back in the 90s when we first started learning the Word of God together. He that spared not his own son. See, he is talking about what he did at Calvary. See, the Apostle Paul is determined never to move away from that, never to stop pointing to that. When we open God's Word and we don't point to Calvary, then we hold God's Word in an unrighteous context, and what we're teaching is not sound. I don't care what doctrine we're teaching from the Bible. Doctrine means teaching. And, and anything that we're trying to teach using God's Word, for it to be sound doctrine, it must be according to, not just because of, praise God, it has to be, it's because of the gospel, but it has to be according to the glorious gospel. Write it down, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. That's being brought out in our Timothy class on Friday morning, so join us if you can. But when we open God's Word, for it to be in its righteous context, and all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And God's righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. So when we open God's Bible, God's word, we're looking at righteous words. And if we don't point people to the righteous one and his righteous work at Calvary, we're holding God's word in an unrighteous context and it's not sound. It can't be sound. The, the Holy Spirit won't be able to impart it as sound doctrine just because it's the Word of God. It is righteous words. But if we're not looking to Calvary, the Word won't be able to be imparted, engrafted. It won't be able to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We'll just live our whole Christian life quoting that, hoping something happens, and that's not God's intention. God's intention is on you walking in Christ just like you began in Christ through faith in his work at Calvary, and then you'll be able to grow and be a part of this conforming, being conformed into the image of his Son, which is being made conformable, unto his death. Hallelujah. We're always out of time too fast. Make sure you join us in the morning at 9 a.m. Central Time on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page for our First Timothy teaching. Pray for us. Give to this ministry. God will bless you without a doubt because all that's coming out of this ministry is the pure gospel, the word of the truth of the gospel and God pours out on that. And when we preach it, teach it, most of all believe it, and when we sow to it, God is going to bless because God finances the gospel and the devil finances every other thing. The number is 903-231-5950 or you can donate on the website at thecrosswaychurch.com. Don't be 
outside the place where God can bless you more. Support the preaching of the cross and God will support you in ways you never dreamed because he is faithful. He is faithful, faithful, faithful. And God bless you. We'll see you next time right here. And we love you. And until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.